Welcome to the Songbirds Radio Hour. Tonight, we're going to take a deep dive into the music and culture that helped create bands like R.E.M., the B-52s, Widespread Panic of Montreal, and many, many more. That's right. Tonight, we're going to be talking all about Athens, Georgia. Not just about the bands of Athens, but a deeper look into how their music scene began and how it's been sustained and nurtured for decades. We're excited to have a couple of bona fide Athens musical experts with us tonight, David Barbie and Chuck Reese. We've also put together a killer Athens playlist that we're excited to share in between interview segments. So that said, let's kick this thing off with a tune from Pylon. Dude! 
So let's step back a few decades to a time where tight rolls and swatch watches and boom boxes were all the rage. It was 1992, and I remember my friend gave me a tape with a couple of songs from R.E.M.'s Green Album, along with Matthew Sweet's Girlfriend and Pylon's Feast on My Heart, and I loved that tape. Loved it. it I do still have it somewhere, buried in an attic somewhere. <clears throat> it felt sonically diverse, each song distinct, and I will say it was difficult for me to believe when I found out you know, the next year or so that all of those bands, along with a laundry list of others that I loved, were all founded less than six hours away from my small hometown in northern Mississippi. I guess at 13 years old, I thought that all bands that weren't country came from either L.A. or New York or Seattle, but not from a city in the South. It's hard to believe. So that brings us to tonight's central question. How does a southern city spawn such a diverse musical lineup and sustain that climate and culture for decades? Is there a magic formula? What combination of elements allowed bands from the late 70s all the way into the early 90s to transform that sleepy little college town into a music mecca? Is it the Lamar Dodd School of Art at UGA? You know, is it great venues like the 40 Watt, great recording studios and labels like 1093 or New West? Is it the culture, the community? Is it luck? Tonight on the Songbirds Radio Hour, we hope to get you some answers. So I'd like to introduce our two guests for tonight. Chuck Reese attended UGA in Athens in the early 1980s. His short-lived punk band, The TVs, played exactly one house show and two gigs at the now-famous 40-watt club, one of, the, one of those shows opening for R.E.M., Chuck was the founding editor-in-chief of The Bitter Southerner, a publication launched in 2013 that eventually gathered hundreds of thousands of readers around the world. Chuck and his wife, Stacy, later launched Salvation South, an online magazine that I highly recommend you check out after this episode. Our other guest, David Barbie, has been in the music business since he started playing in bands in Atlanta as a teenager in the 1970s. Since then, he's played in bands like Sugar, Barbecue Killers, The Drive-By Truckers, and others. He's also the owner of Chase Park Transduction Studios and has produced hundreds of albums for bands like Sunvolt, Deer Hunter, Amy Ray of the Indigo Girls, and other artists. He's also the director of the University of Georgia Music Business Program. So, Let's give a warm Songbirds Radio Hour welcome to Chuck Reese and David Barbie. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. All right, let's start out. Just maybe give us a brief history of Athens' music scene. Holy. Uh, you were there first. I mean, ahead of me, so you should, you should take that. I am just a smidge older than just you. Just a smidge. Uh, <laughs> Now, I got, to, I got to Athens in June of 1979 uh, to go to college, and it was about a month after uh, the B-52s had been signed by Warner Brothers, and they had immediately packed up and moved to New York City. And uh, so, you know, some of the bands that came along at the same time they did, like, Pylon and the Method Actors were playing, and I don't know if any of y'all have ever heard Pylon. I know there's at least one yeah. person. Good, good. Uh, I know there's at least one person sitting in the audience who actually saw them back in the day. But uh, you know, I uh, the first time I saw them, it really like warped my mind. 
because I, you know, I just gotten there from, I didn't grow up too far from here. I grew up in LJ, Georgia. And, you know, I grew up on Southern Rock, you know. The Allman Brothers were my favorite band. Although I had gone to see Elvis Costello one time before I got to college. But, uh, you know, I, I get there and there's all this strange music going on. And, you know, uh, a year later, R.E.M. got together. Uh, and, you know, about a year after that, they started getting national attention. And I, you know, I always had this... this you know, I was amazed and happy and kind of proud to be there, you know, in, in the early 80s when all that stuff was happening, you know, and, and then, you know, I, I get out of college and I move to New York and the first place I see REM is at Radio City Music Hall when, you know, in the beginning I was paying 50 cents to see them. At, at Tyrone's OC in Atlanta, in, in Athens. It's amazing that you could go see a show at any time for 50 yeah, cents. And Ticketmaster wasn't a thing yet, I but guess. But the thing about it was, was that, you know, I, I, I felt like, okay, Athens is going to be able to sustain this scene for a while. Mm-hmm. And this is a good spot for me to turn it over to Dave because I, I, I don't know what the magic formula is, except maybe this guy sitting on this stool right here. I told these people we'd have answers of what the magic formula was, so we need it written out like a you know quadratic equation or something. So you better two primary ingredients, <laughs> I think, um, a fresh influx of smart, creative young people every year. It's a college town, mm-hmm. and um, well, three things really. The second one is cheap real estate, which sadly is changing, but for a long time it was about the cheapest cool music town you know as far as like an indie music scene goes Mm. it was like the cheapest one of the cheapest cool places to live for a long time and um when i graduated georgia in 1986 um my mom was questioning why my job my graduation job was making four dollars an hour at the taco stand and i told her it's because i need a job i don't care about so that i can Get, I don't get distracted by work. I can just be working on music. And plus, I knew that I really needed to earn about $400 a month to live. And there's a lot to be said for only needing to make $400 a month. Is that, uh, I'm just doing the math on how many tacos you got. Is, uh, yeah, so I, didn't get, I wish I got paid. By, I was pretty fast. I wish I got paid by the burrito. By the taco yeah, instead, paid of, by the taco. instead of hourly. Right. So... Um, I mean, really, it's, but the third ingredient is the culture itself, because um, there are two kinds of general vibes in music scenes. You know, you mentioned I've recorded all these different bands, I made all these records, and I've toured with a bunch of different bands, and, and you know, there's competitive and collaborative, and there's some scenes where it's a little more professional, it's a little more competitive, that is... I need to get your gig, you know, I need, and then there's the collaborative, which is people who buy in that just because you win doesn't mean I lose. And I think that the collaborative vibe in Athens has always existed because of the OG people, especially REM. The B-52s were, as Chuck mentioned, were gone before I got there in 81. They're gone before I got there. Um, but REM on the way up, like they had just released their single when I started as a freshman. And by, you know, within a couple of years, it's like, this is a touring club packing band. And um, as they got bigger and bigger, 
They were completely supportive of new bands in Athens. They would give you their used bass strings and things like that, because, which is a big deal because that stuff caught, you know, adds up. But they were just always generous with their time and helpful and cool to people. And that established, you know, they have a reputation for like treating people well. Mm. And um, that established the way that in the, in the, you know, in the grander scheme of things and the way that people do their business, I know that both Panic and the Drive-By Truckers have modeled their businesses on how they saw REM do things. And just culturally, it just seems like everybody was, you know, when it's just the same thing as in families. People who are treated well tend to treat other people well. And I think that it has existed to where, like when I came to Athens and I was in probably some incredibly terrible bands and... Not probably. We, we were and, all in, we were all in terrible bands. Right. It's okay to say I yeah. was definitely in terrible bands. Right. And then, um, but it's like we want to play a show, and like people in cool bands, bands I thought were cool, would let us play shows with them, or help us set something up, or or. Um, and I think that that spirit like has continued today, where it's exciting when there's cool new bands in town. Nobody resents there being somebody cool to come along. Nobody seems to be concerned they're going to steal your thunder. It's just just kind of has trickled out from this art school scene into this thing that this tree that has mm-hmm. all these different branches. A- absolutely. You know, music after all is a communal experience. It makes sense that working together creates a better environment for music to flourish. We're going to take a brief musical break to hear a few tunes from some of the artists we've mentioned in this segment. We've got Matthew Sweet, Elf Power and Of Montreal coming right up. After that, we'll be back with more from Chuck and Dave on the history of the Athens music scene.
Listening to the Songbirds Radio Hour, and tonight it's all about the Athens music scene. If you've been following along, you've just heard from Pylon, Matthew Sweet, Elf Power, and of Montreal. And now we're back with Chuck Reese and David Barbie to talk more about what makes Athens what it is. We talk a lot about this here in Chattanooga about building. Uh, you hear a lot here, or I hear a lot, I guess, because we run a venue. But we we hear people talk about building a music scene. And there's, there's always people that come in and they say, well, here's the steps. Have a stair step of a, you know, like a small club, a bigger mm-hmm. club, and a bigger club that people can graduate to and stuff like that. But that's not the, that's not the just. You, you have to have more than that. you got to have the right people and the people that care about it. Talk, talk to a little bit about like what advice you would give to uh, a city like Chattanooga who's, you know, we've had a significant music scene, especially with the Big Nine before, but that died off. And people are talking about rebuilding the music scene here. What advice would you give to another city about how to kind of help stimulate a music, you know, uh, system? I, I think job training is part of it. I mean, literally, like I think about, you know, there, there's a, a, a charity, a, a nonprofit foundation in Athens that David's been involved with since the beginning called Nusi Space. And it, it offers mental health services for free to musicians and other artists in, in Athens. What's the name of it again? I'm sorry. Nusi Space. Oh, yeah, okay. N-U-C-I. And it bears the name of, of a kid named Nusi Phillips who was a promising young musician that David knew, and, and he killed himself. And so they do a lot of suicide prevention work, but they, they do this thing that's so cool every year called Camp Amp. And it's high school kids, right? They take 
Yeah, uh, twelve through eighteen. They yeah. Yeah, and they 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 kind of teach them how to be in a band, and like uh, this young friend of mine who interned for me once had been through Camp Ampton, and she told me that like the first thing that they got assigned to do, and I don't know if this is, you know, what they still do, but there they had a a, a, a rectangle taped off on the floor that was evidently the exact dimensions of the inside of a Ford Econoline van. <laughs> and uh, they had like a band's worth of equipment in there. And, you know, they told the kids to get together and figure out how to fit all that equipment inside that rectangle and have it not be more than four feet high. And then they get in there and drop a stink bomb on them and... See how long yeah, they can the, last in there. The second week you have to do it after you've had nine beers and in the rain. Yeah, yeah, in the rain, yeah. And then you have people like David, who, you know, is in the music business program. Tell him the story that you told me a long time ago about what you tell students who are first coming in there, like the problem you present them with. Well, um, I hope this is what you mean. I mean, at the first day of class, I tell them, it's like, you know, I can talk to you for a year about this and not run out of things to talk about, which is always true. It's like I get to the end of the school year and I'm just like, oh, I didn't get to, because there's just so much, you know, you can just, but um, I tell them it's like, but at the end of the day, if, if you could leave after I tell you this and you're gonna have a uh, head start, which is, you know, show up early, stay late, trust your instincts, work harder, uh, tell the truth at all times, you know, don't be an asshole to people. And above, be grateful for slackers because they're going to make you look good. And <laughs> above all, well, just focus on quality all the time. Just do cool stuff and just do it because it's cool and you care about it. And um, it's amazing. It's like the people, because I've been teaching, you know, I've done this my whole life. My parents are in the music business. I've been teaching it now for this, I'm about to start my 14th year is that a career in the music business is the job pool is like a funnel and like out on the edges are people that are just in fantasy land talking just imagining that they're going to be in the music business and i'm going to be rich and famous rather than thinking about the process just some desired result those guys are going to play xbox in their mom's basement when they're 40. And um, not that there's anything wrong with that. And um, then a little further in are people who they're smart, they're cool, they work hard. But like the minute life punches them in the face, they need something more dependable. Like the instability of a career in music is just too, just too, too far out. Yeah. And, and, and it's, I understand it, man. You have a kid, your college loans are due or whatever. Hmm. Um, uh, you realize what the dimensions of a Ford Econoline van really are. But um, somebody put it in tape in the and middle then of the floor. And then there's everybody else who, if you stick with it and you're, if you, you know, if you stick with it and you work hard and you're into it, it works out for almost everybody that I know ultimately. But it's, um, but it's interesting. I've recorded in my studio a lot of different people from Chattanooga and a lot of them don't know each other. Like there's this like kind of grubby underground punk rock scene. Yes. And then, um, I recorded, um, I did a bunch of records with these guys um, that, and all the people they know. And it all started about 25 years ago when a few of these guys were in this band called the Jack Palance Band. And then, they, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
And then they became the Hidden Spots, and um, I've done records with all of them, and then all these other bands say no, but then I'll run into somebody else from Chattanooga, and it's like, they don't, don't know each other. Like, they have no knowledge of each other's scene. And um, I'm not sure... It's very pocketed. Right, and it's I think most pocketed. places are. The thing about Athens, and this is worth mentioning, is the incredibly tiny geographic footprint of it. Athens, Clark County, is one of the maybe 15 smallest counties by geographic area in the United States. The other thing is that you need people who just are supporters, people like Paul Scales and Curtis Crow, who opened the 40 Watt Club, yeah. and just like, we're gonna start this thing. Yeah. And um, because we just believe in our people that start a little recording studio. Um, or when the Georgia Theater burned down in 2009, which in 2009, it's like one of the worst things to happen to the town. And by 2011, it was rebuilt. It was like, this is one of the best things to ever happen to the town because it's so much better now. Yeah. Um, Wilmot Green was advised by a lot of people, don't do that. Yeah. It's too much money. It's too risky. You just need to let it go. And he just said, you know what? I'm just doing it. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, you know, it's it's like uh, what you said earlier, you know, just do cool things. That's what Songbirds is all about. You know, get out there and do something. Create something. You know, create something cool. And speaking of cool, let's take a break and listen to a few more crucial songs that help shape Athens into the musical haven it is today. Coming up, we've got the B-52s, R.E.M., the Wigs, and Drive-By Truckers. Thanks for listening to the Songbirds Radio Hour. After this set, we'll be back with our audience Q&A.
Listening to the Songbirds Radio Hour, and that was the B-52s, REM, the Wigs, and the Drive-By Truckers. Each of these bands hail from Athens, which has been our topic of discussion for this episode. 
If you're just tuning in, we've been chatting with Chuck Reese and David Barbie about what it takes for a city to become a music mecca like Athens. And now it's time to give the mic to the audience. Uh, so what we're going to do is we'll just, if you want to raise your hand, if you have a question, uh, we'll take a couple of questions. John's going to bring you the mic. There's one right there. This might be a loaded question, but could you talk about the role that the venues play in Athens and how they contribute to the scene? I'm thinking about the different tiers of venues, so like DIY house shows, clubs and dive bars versus larger concert halls, and mostly how they differ in audience turnout, artist acquisition, camaraderie, and the purposes they serve each community. I love that question. <laughs> um, that's a great question. So you're right. There are tiers, and Athens is a place that can have that because, yeah, there's like big touring acts with buses that come through. Um, at the top, the most obvious level are places like the iconic 40 Watt Club and the Georgia Theater. Um, they're both awesome. When Wilmot, the guy I mentioned about, about seven or eight years ago, he sold the Georgia Theater. And as is happening in towns all over America, the, um, a major... There's two major concert promoters, Live Nation and AG. AG owns the Georgia Theater now, and this happens all over the country now. And so this changed the talent acquisition and the booking at the biggest place in town, which is the theater or the Classic Center, our Civic Center, because it's just more professional level, and, it's le and they still do have some local shows, but just less. One level down, the 40-watt, uh, Valina Vigo, who played in the band Mystery Date when I was in college, she books that place and has recently hired a recent UGA grad as a junior talent buyer. And if it's a big time show that's coming through, Valina is, um, is definitely, you know, just professionally done with the booking agent, but um, they're still like reaching out and having like college shows in there. And so it still has like a cool town vibe. Um, we have lost an amazing small venue, the Caledonia Lounge, which was it's a bummer because it was very much like local punk, DIY scene. It was the 40 watt on two different occasions. Um, but what's cool is that some other places, the Flickr, which holds maybe about 40 people, 50 maybe, um, has upped their booking. The Nowhere Bar, which was always just kind of like a dive bar downtown, has like got a better PA, started booking more local bands, and is now, uh, you know, they can put 150 people in there. But the real linchpin of the Athens music scene is one of the first things you said, which is the DIY house parties. Um, Allen Ginsberg did a reading and a, and a performance at like 2 o'clock in the morning down at Stitchcraft. And this still goes on. And I don't have any regrets about you know, getting old. If you, once you stop doing that, you're dead. And I like living. But um, it's like I'm aware there's this undercurrent of really cool house parties and of all these cool bands, and I know it's like, as long as it goes on, I don't have to be invited, but I will tell you this, because I'm not in Athens, and you guys might have to keep this under wraps, but I, we won't about tell a year ago, there was a really amazing underground house party I wanted to go to, and I realized, it's like, I don't want to bum people out by some old dude showing up, or like, you know, like one of their college professors, but I wanted to see these bands, and I was friends with the guys in the band. One of them knew about this, um, a Chattanooga native, uh, Ben Hackett, who used to be in New Madrid. And so, because you know, everybody's glad to see 
a kitty cat in a three-piece suit walk in. So I had this Halloween cat mask in a suit. And it was just like a crazy person at a party. But all I was doing was just standing in the back and checking out the bands that I left. Because I love the DIY house scene. I think it's like the foundation of punk rock and it's the greatest people got to take notes world. on that i think yeah. yeah but you can't tell yeah i've got some disguises yes so all right i'm that, that's enough of that uh, the tvs would never have opened for rem if it hadn't have been for playing one house party which was our first gig and peter buck was there uh, mm-hmm. he was known to us at the time as pete uh, but my friend nelson ross went up to pete after we finished playing that night and uh, Nelson was like, what did you think of them? And Pete told Nelson, they're great. They suck. What's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, right, let's go to the next question. Do we have another question? How have female musicians influenced present-day Athens in the music scene? Um, well, it is really, it's like, I think it was... It was better in Athens even early than a lot of other places because one of the first, you know, prominent bands on the scene that we had was Pylon. And so it wasn't like, this is the dude's scene. But um, there are, the Athens scene is like more diverse than ever in every single way. And I feel like there's um, not any, there's, it feels to me now, it feels to me from my vantage point as a white middle-aged man and lives in a small town, but as somebody that has been in the music scene for over 40 years, it feels to me like there's nothing that's not accepted, there's no experiment that's not cool creatively, and there's no kind of people that seem to be squeezed out, and um, I think that there are, um, I think that there are like more, uh, that there's more women doing cool stuff in Athens um, than ever. Our producers give me a one minute. All right. Mark, so I will just ask, maybe give a quick little synopsis of what people should check out that you're currently doing now. What like stuff that you I, want them to... I have this online magazine called Salvation South that has become a, an awesome little refuge for Southern storytellers of all kinds. And we're like... Uh, medium agnostic you can write journalism uh memoir poetry fiction you can take pictures you can make films we don't care as long as you're telling stories that matter to people who are from our crazy benighted region and that's Love what it. i spend every day doing great what's the url for it it's online. Um, it's an online magazine right yeah salvationsouth.com All visit right. us there you uh, go and you um, as always, I have like 10,000 balls in the air at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have my studio, Chase Park Transduction, and I'm making tons of records there. But, and then creatively, I'm interestingly at this stage of the game and one of my favorite parts of doing this, which I've got, I'm, pl- I'm playing with like about six different bands. Um, I'm just trying to stay open to the possibility of saying yes all the time I feel like that's I feel like it's very healthy to do that's it. the Athens thing that's, that's the Athens yes. way to go yeah. yeah well I'll give these guys a big round of applause for joining us thank you thank you thank you that's our show for tonight everyone and I want to thank our guests Chuck Reese and David Barbie and thanks to all of you for tuning in at home as one last treat 
We've got a contemporary Athens band queued up to play us out. This is Monsoon, and they're a Songbird's favorite. Also, for all you curious listeners, all of the bands that you've heard tonight are available in the show's notes. We appreciate your support, and we'll see you next month when we'll have Katie Tunstall on the show. made possible through a grant from the Riverview Foundation. If you'd like to attend a live taping of the radio show, please visit songbirdsfoundation.org for more information. This episode was produced and written by Reed Caldwell and Charlie Moss. Live recording by James Snyder. Additional thanks to Victoria Sauer, WTC, and of course, Chuck Reese and David Barbie. Directed, edited, and mixed by John Dooley. 